And welcome back to the Oscar Rewind Podcast. I'm your host, Quentin Phillipson, and we are here to break down two more movies for the fourth Oscar Rewind season. And with me to help break down these two fantastic movies about two fantastic female-led films is our female co-host, Andrew Tennis. How are you doing this week? I am doing great. Uh, yeah, everything's going really good for me this week. In a pretty good mood. Have kept on track with my exercises this week. Yeah, I'm pretty good. Very exciting. <laughs> as she was not on top of these movies, as she was not very excited about doing this podcast. I really had to drag her out here. I believe I had to like carry her over here, sit her down, I had to strap her to the chair so she won't leave because she does not want to discuss these two movies. Uh, what, what are your thoughts, Andrea, on the 1969 Oscar season? Um, he did not have to do any of the stuff you just said, but I do think it was a very low-ranking year for me. Personally, most of the films were just fine, but, like, they weren't anything that I went goo-goo-gaga over. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Like, the first two we discussed, they just really weren't my type of film. And the ones we're discussing today, they were, they were okay. They were a little better, I think, than the other two. Just how I feel. <laughs> All right, that's fair. I believe after every single movie we have seen for this year, Andrew looks at me and she goes, this is the worst year ever. This sucks. I can't believe you picked this garbage. I, I should have picked. I wouldn't have screwed this one up. She has not let this down for me. Every day I've woken up to, uh, you picked 1969 because if it's a joke, is it worth it? Are you laughing now? This is not funny. Yeah, it's it's been a tough few weeks. I honestly can't wait till we finish this year so Andrea can, like, get off my back about it. My, my, my back is very sore, Andrea. He just had to do the joke. That's all he wanted was a stupid joke. And <laughs> I am going to die by the end of this podcast if this is literally the worst year overall. I'm hoping not, but... I don't see how any year can be much worse than this. Why are you hoping this isn't the worst year? You want to talk about another horrible year of Oscar films? I hope this is the worst. I hope every year after this is fantastic to keep us going. I mean, it would make me happy as well because then I can be like, you have crappy taste. You picked the worst year. I don't, that, <laughs> I don't think that means I have crappy taste. It was just a bad joke. That's what that means. I, I, did, not, I did not stand by these five films. I went, these are fantastic. But yeah, so we can discuss the two movies we have here, and that is going to be Funny Girl and Rachel Rachel. So we can discuss the first one that we watched, which was Funny Girl. It was nominated for Best Picture, obviously, for Supporting Actress, for Cinematography, for Editing, for Score, for Music in Song, in Sound, and it won Lead Actress. So it had a lot of nominations. This would have been, I believe, the second most for this year. Obviously, the winner having the most noms. Right. So this one, of all the ones we're talking about so far, is the most critically loved by the Oscars because it got the most noms. 
So Andrew, do you agree with this here? Do you think that the... See, and this is what happens when I unstrap her. She ran off. She already finished doing the podcast. Okay, what was my question? Funny Girl is, was, was clearly the most loved film by the Oscars, according to the Academy. You got the most nominations of the ones we've discussed so far. So what was your thoughts on Funny Girl? Do you think it was as good as you thought it was going to be? I mean, you like this film better than me, but I think overall this is the film that had the best progression. Uh, you see Barbara Streisand as a young girl, and she is obviously different than the other girls in showbiz. Uh, and she's very, like, what do you call it? She's very, she's very unsure of her looks, of herself. And then you slowly see her grow. And then by the end, you would have never realized how she was at the beginning. That's what I liked most about Funny Girl. There was a storyline, I could follow it, and it progressed. Yeah, Funny Girl was the one that Andrew predicted at the beginning of this to be the best of the year. And uh, I think her prediction was correct. This is definitely the best of the ones we've discussed so far. It was really great. Barbara Streisand was fantastic as the lead here. And as Andrew said, the film is about this young girl who starts off on stage looking off into an empty theater wanting to go into showbiz and be successful. And the only flaw is she's insecure. She Absolutely. is never really comfortable with who she yeah. is. She's always thinking everyone's going to laugh at her. She's ugly. She's annoying. She's weird. She always thinks that people are going to look down on her. And so the first big show she has at this big theater with a big director for the stage, he wants her to have this final moment in the play where she's announcing to the world how beautiful she is and how amazing this moment is for her. And so Barbara Streisand's character, hence the title Funny Girl, decides to put on a big act to kind of mock herself. So the audience is laughing at, oh wow, she's talking about how beautiful she is while she's pregnant. Clearly this is a inside joke for the play. It's been revealed by Barbara Streisand that she intentionally did this because it's better to have the audience laugh with you than laugh at you because she thought no matter which way she presented that line, they would laugh at someone like Barbara Streisand calling herself beautiful. So it's better to lean in on the joke and intentionally make it funny so she's not hurt by it. And I thought that was a really great scene and it kind of foreshadows the whole film. The whole film is about her being uncomfortable with who she is and with all the success, she becomes this well-known star, this funny girl that everyone just loves and relates with. And she eventually becomes this star that she wanted to be, which then translated to her being comfortable with who she is. She's still cracking jokes. She's still being a funny girl. But when they're asking her questions about her husband, who ends up being a fucking loser, by the way, when they start asking her questions about him, she's very quick to defend him to state her case she's no longer hiding in the shadows trying to be passive with everything she is very comfortable with who she is and explaining her thoughts so i thought the whole film was really great at telling a story from start to finish about barbara's character i thought it was really well done so definitely the best film we discussed so far 
It's not perfect. It's definitely not the best movie we've discussed overall, but for this year, uh, for this year, it's pretty good. It's definitely got some flaws. So one thing that I noticed and you brought up while we were watching Funny Girl is there's definitely a clear divide between the first half of the movie and the second half. It has a lot to do with her transition. The first half is where she's the funny girl, the nervous wreck, the one that we love and adore. She's the underdog. And then she's on top. It's a great transition, but it is really two different stories. What was your thoughts on the two different stories in the movie Funny Girl? Well, my thoughts were at the beginning, she was very insecure about herself. And it was more like she slowly found herself. Like, it's so sorry. The beginning, she was just insecure the whole time, so she tried to make a ton of jokes. And I, I like that because, I mean, it showed you why they named it Funny Girl. And the second half, it was more to show she knew who she was in life and what she wanted, and her husband was kind of a little bit of a loser. And I really liked that. That was satisfying how it ended because she felt good about herself. She was comfortable. She's very go with the flow. And it, it really ended perfectly. Yeah, so that's kind of my thoughts as well, where the first half is really fun because it's pretty much all about her story arc and her growth as a character. And the husband, he's in the first half. He's the reason why she has this great progression but he's just like an assistance to her. He's like the Yoda figure from Star Wars where he's just advising her and helping her with her success. It's still her story. And then, you know, the second half, it becomes their story where they end up getting married and it's about her being successful and his roles reverse. He's no longer her assistance, but this leech that's latched onto her and just relies on her throughout the film well throughout the second half of the film and like you said he's a total loser i, I hate this guy i don't really like him he's fine in the first half because he's the hero he's the guy that's helping her become this great person uh and then the second half when she's famous and he's gambling all of their money and he's a total loser uh, yeah, I could definitely do without this dude. I think he's, uh, well, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know if leech is the right word because you do see him get upset several times when she starts paying the butler and the maid their salaries. And I think he kind of just feels like a loser. He is a loser and he feels like a loser because at one time he was good at poker and that's, I feel like that's how he got a lot of his funds. And then slowly he just started sucking at poker. But poker is a lot of luck. So not really sure. But then you also see her trying to help him. Like she has a guy come over and basically offer him a position. But when he finds out that everyone has to buy in and he doesn't, he kind of slowly catches on on white he got in because she was going to flip his portion of it. And I don't know. She I, helped pitch in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He, she helped pitch in for it. He wasn't cool with that. Like, I don't know. He just literally just 
no longer felt like felt like he fit into her little box, like her life anymore. Well, he's got a big ego. He's like, what? The woman of the house is paying for our maids? The woman of the house is paying for me to be successful? I'm the man. That's my job, not yours, funny girl. So yeah, he was definitely a little into himself. He really thought he was the shit because he was in the first half. Yeah. And it would, like you said, he probably just hit it big at poker once. He probably just had a really good game. I play online poker on my phone all the time. And, uh, you know, when I hit a big one night, I think I'm the top shot. I'm the top dog. And I'm walking around the apartment with Andrea and I'm like, I'm the fucking best, Andrea. You should have seen that full house I just played. I'm a fucking king at this shit. And that's probably what he did. He probably got a really great game. He probably felt like he was the top dog, the man of the house. And then, uh, you know, just like me, uh, in reality, we both suck at poker. We just had a really good night one time. And uh, we refuse to believe we suck because, yeah, he refuses to believe he's bad at poker. He thinks he's the best every time he loses. It's their fault. They got lucky. He's normally the best. He just had a rough night. He always says, oh, I just had a rough night. Well, dude, I'll tell you right now, if you had a rough night, nine out of ten nights, you you didn't have nine rough nights. You had one good night. That's what that means. (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, that does not mean you got nine rough nights. No, you got one lucky night. That's that's how it works. But uh, he's just in denial. He really likes to think he's the the best at everything. Really buying his own shit at this point. He really thinks he's top dog. Yeah, yeah. And, you know... I really did like him in the first half. The first half, like you said, he was the hero. He made her kind of gain her confidence in a way. And he did add a lot to the story. Yeah, I don't know. I just think the second half would have been better without him in a way. Yeah, or just less of him. We don't need his story that much. I like depth in characters, but I think his character in the first half was as good as it was. We didn't need to have this other side of him because then at the end it almost turned into his story in the second half just how he was such a failure in every single way yeah the film overall is both their stories but it's in reverse it's her growing and it's him falling it's the rise and fall of these two people Mm -hmm. and he's really good in the first half and that's because we see what he sees in himself. We see this confident guy that thinks he's the best and you need somebody that thinks that of themselves because that's the reason why he's able to encourage Barbara Streisand to follow her dreams. Hey, I I like playing poker and I'm the fucking best, babe. You like going on stage? Go on stage, do it. You got this. Like he was what she needed to do well. His confidence... We can see it's to overshadow how useless he is in real mm-hmm. life. But in the first half, since we don't know him that well, we believe he really is the shit. Mm-hmm. We, we buy it. So it kind of works out well for the first half. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm just not a big fan of him in the second half. And since he is so prominent in the second half, uh, the second half is definitely weaker. The first half is fantastic. I would dare say the first half is a 4.5 for me. Like, I really had a great time with mm-hmm. it. Uh, the second half just really slows it down. Yeah, the second half definitely like lowers the score for me in quite a few different ways. But one thing is consistent the whole time. Barbara Streisand is amazing. She gives such a solid performance. Oh yeah, no, she's she's the best. She's mm-hmm. one of my favorite performances of 
this year for the Oscars. I yeah. she's really great. I know. She's, honestly, she's definitely my most favorite female actress of this, this year. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Better than I'm, Lion in Winter? Yeah. No, I think she was number one. I really do. Oh, good to know. Mm-hmm. Hot take. <laughs> we haven't really touched on her much, but what do you think of the character Rose Bryce? Uh, Kay Medford got a nomination for her performance as the character. I don't necessarily even remember her, but she was the supporting actress for this film. Wow. I honestly... The only, the only person I could think of was she wasn't one of the other girls. I, th- I think she, it was the girl that she did a lot of the performances with that really helped her as well. But she wasn't that prominent. I wouldn't consider that as huh. a good supporting nomination, but she got nominated for it. So Did she win for it? No, no. She just got nominated. That's right. Yeah, no, it is really odd because there's really not any other females that I would even consider to be up there on her level in the entire film. I will say this, though. I am really glad that the loser guy that is always with her, uh, he didn't get nominated for best lead actor. I'm glad. I thought he would have. It wasn't very good. And this year it was definitely a more men-based performances for what got named for the Oscars, I thought. Really? Yeah, I feel like there were definitely definitely more guys. I think this is more female-focused for the Oscars. I think Rachel Rachel is a female lead. Funny Girl is a female lead. Romeo and Juliet is a dual male and female-led. Yeah. Lion and Winter... You could say he's a male and female-led film, but I would say that the lead of the film is the mother. It's her point of view for most of the film. And then Oliver's obviously a male point of view. So I would say it's three females, one male and female, and one male. Like I think it's more female-focused when most other Oscar years are mostly men. The last Oscar we just discussed was Field of Winter, or sorry, uh, Field of Dreams... Oh, uh, what else was there? I already blocked that year out of my mind. Field of Dreams, Five. My Left Foot, which were both male-led films. Dead Poe Society, which was a male. male-led film. Born on the Fourth of July, which was male. a male-led film. So that was four of the five. So I think this one's pretty female. I guess you're right. I mean, I also thought Lion and Winter was male and female. Yeah, probably. Like, I mean, because you have the husband and then you have the three sons. Yeah, there's more men in the film. Yeah. I think the woman's the most prominent, but there's also four other men that are mm-hmm. also major characters. So I would agree with you. Overall, it would be male-female. Fair. So, so overall, two female, one male, and then two in between. I think this one, for the Oscars, it's pretty good for female representation, I thought. So anything else we want to discuss about Funny Girl? What was your favorite scene? I think one of my favorite scenes is when she does the first big performance and she comes out. um, She's just supposed to be a beautiful girl, but instead she comes out with a pillow stuffed under her shirt or her dress and she looks like she's pregnant and you think she's going to get fired because the guy that runs the play that he directs them he is super pissed off 
But then the crowd loves it. So they kind of just go with it. Yeah, I'm with you. That was definitely the best scene of the film. That whole moment with the stage and then him talking to her afterwards. All that is definitely peak of the film. I'll go for something different just to keep talking about some good moments of the movie. And that's when she has really her first conversation with the loser. Like, uh, I'm just going to call him that. But when they were out on the streets, uh, I thought that uh, their interactions for the first time really sparks were flying. I thought it was a very great, fun introduction to both of them being together. So I really liked that scene as well. Um, Worst scene, probably the scenes where it was all about him near the last half. Like, I don't really have one in particular. But I just thought when they really started focusing on him near the end, it kind of started to drag a bit. Yeah. Overall, not too bad. No, yeah, I know. I definitely agree with you. Uh, I'm going to just change it up a little bit in one scene that, I don't know, I didn't really like. I'm sure a lot of people would have found it really funny was the fact that, like, she kind of just decides she's going to leave the production and go chase after this guy. And she gets on the boat, and, and in your head you're thinking, oh, wow, this could either be really good or really bad. And she shows up, and it's really good. But I honestly did not like the scene where she's like begs to go to the per- poker tournament with him and she sits there and she's making all these faces. I, I just, I couldn't take it. I felt like it was just too awkward for me. Yeah, it was very awkward. I, I did like it. I thought her making all the funny mm-hmm. faces, it's just her way of coping with being mm-hmm. stressed, right? Like yeah. whenever she's stressed out, she just starts making weird faces. So everyone just thinks she's intentionally being weird. Yeah. Instead of actually being weird. So I actually thought that scene was pretty fun. Uh, actually, I think the scene that I hated the most was when she had a really big performance and he ended up not going because he was really going to hit it big on the poker table. And then when he comes back from playing poker and he goes home and she's already there waiting for him and he's just like, oh, I'm sorry, babe. I was really, I was hitting it big. I was killing it. And, uh, and then I ended up losing a bunch of money from us. But I was real, I almost had it. And I was like, are you kidding me, bitch? You didn't go do her performance and you lost them a bunch of money? I wish we, like, had this taped, too. Your faces are great today. Thank you. Yeah, I'm killing it. <laughs> they should call me funny guy. You? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that... That scene in particular really grinded my gears. I was getting real upset. Yeah, that was a really hard scene to watch because you could tell just how disappointed she was in Barbara Streisand. She was just so diverse in this film. Like, she could go from funny to, like, disappointed to awkward. I don't know. I just felt like she pulled a lot of tricks out of her bag. All right. So anything else we have to say about Funny Girl? Or do you want to move on to Rachel Rachel? That's it for me. I don't have too much more. All right. Uh, Rachel, Rachel might be a slower one. I think it will be on my end at least. Because I'll tell you right now, Rachel, Rachel, this is the one that I picked. I predicted to be the best of the year. And I was wrong. I know we're supposed to wait for the end of the year discussion. But this is by far the worst of all of them. Andrew seemed pretty high on it. When, When we were watching it halfway through... 
of us watching this in my head. Already, I was like, oh my gosh, this is definitely the worst. And Andrew was like, you know what? This is, this is my kind of movie. I think this is the best one so far. That's not what I said. Halfway through, I'm pretty sure that's what you're saying. Because I remember saying that no. like, whoo we're going to have a diverse opinion. But I do think by the end of it, Andrew kind of realized this movie sucked. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did not like this. It doesn't suck. It's fine. I like it, but I'll tell you, Andrew, for the life of me, I do not really know what happened in this movie. So for those that uh, will we'll back it up a bit, I'm getting a little too far ahead, but Rachel Rachel was nominated for Best Picture, Lead Actress, Supporting Actress, and Adapted Screenplay, and it won nothing. Good. So that's it. It got four nominations. That's it. That's fair. I was also really quick, I was going to say, I did, what I said was, oh, this this feels like my kind of film. But I was sadly mistaken. Like, I feel like it had so much it could have done with this film. And I kind of just felt at the end, like, Quentin, it, honestly, it went nowhere. It literally just had so many dead ends, so many things didn't make sense. And you were just kind of by the end, like, like what the fuck did I just watch here? Uh, so that's why I think it won nothing because none of it actually made sense. I do want to say I did think the supporting was pretty good if it's the person I'm thinking it was for supporting. Yeah, I'm assuming it's the one I'm thinking of too because the, the supporting friend. was the best. Yeah. Let me double check here. Yeah, it's the best friend. Yeah, that's what I thought. She yeah. she was good. I liked her. I liked how she was. Uh, yeah, 100% the best part of the film. Yeah, honestly, I thought the supporting actress was really fun. She had some really great expressions. Her and Funny Girl would have really hit it off, I think. I would say that would be the only nomination it deserves of mm -hmm. the four. Now, to be fair, actually, the screenplay is so weird and interesting that I think if I really understood it, I would actually appreciate the screenplay. So maybe H should get that nomination as well. Fine. Those two are good. Best Actress? Uh, I don't think so. And Best Picture? That's definitely... No, that, that, that's a straight up no. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. That, that is not... That's not it, Jan. No. That, that, that's, that's not happening for me. Uh, it was not a Best Picture film for me. I, and I would love to walk you through what happened in this film like what I did with Funny Girl. But I'll be honest with you, I don't really know how to walk you through this movie. It's a movie about the lead character named Rachel, believe it or not. And it's called Rachel, Rachel, because there, it's two stories into one. It is the story of Rachel as the adult and the story of Rachel as a child. And it's about these two different Rachels experiencing life that are kind of intertwined, mostly through the viewpoint of the adult and throughout the film, she starts reacting to different things based off of past experiences from her childhood, which is why I think a screenplay is pretty good because it does have two stories that connect, that seems to make sense. I think it's a little confusing with some of the transitions between the past and the present. So that's why I didn't love it. But I do think overall it's a solid screenplay. One thing that I am kind of surprised I didn't get nominated for was I actually thought the editing was pretty good. It was some of the, it was pretty good when it went from the adult to the child's viewpoint. 
I, I don't know. I just thought that was probably one of the better parts of it. Yeah, the editing was good. Once again, similar to the screenplay, sometimes the editing was a bit confusing with how they did it. Mm -hmm. And so I don't think the editing was perfect, but I think for how complicated it was, the editing was pretty good. I just think it was too much of a complicated story because the thing is the way adult Rachel is reacting to things is because she had a somewhat scarring childhood. Her father was a mortician. So she saw a lot of dead children. And yeah. it really made a, like, a big um, impression on her for who she was whenever she grew up. Because then adult Rachel was a school teacher as well. Which I feel like that definitely had to tie in somehow. And then her love interest in the film was the twin brother that got killed whenever they were, whenever it was young Rachel. So a lot of stuff just kind of wrapped in like a weird box like that. Well, the brother of the kid that died, she wasn't dating a corpse, but yeah. No, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. I got it. I was just yeah, wanting to make sure you know. everybody understood. Yeah. Okay, fair. This movie is weird. So maybe they thought it got real weird. <laughs> she was dating a corpse. She went and dug him up. <laughs> yeah. Well, her dad's a mortician, so maybe he just didn't bury it properly. Wow. Yeah. Some of the scenes were pretty interesting. Uh, one of the flashbacks was her as a child. And while her father is working on a dead child, she crawls into a coffin to kind of show that she's kind of just so used to seeing kids in coffins that she just assumes that's what they're all meant for. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting scene. It just shows you how it's kind of just messed up her life. And so I thought for most of it, it was pretty interesting. Uh, it was just not my thing. I thought the lead guy, her uh, love interest, the brother, he was, uh, uh, he was, uh, you know, uh, who did you like, who did you dislike more? Him or the loser from Funny Girl? I think I actually disliked the guy in Rachel Rachel more just cause he Same. was, he was a freaking douche. She literally led her on when she, I mean, she was like 35, I think, in the film. The lead was supposed to be playing a 35-year-old woman, and she had never had sex before. And he basically took her virginity. They had sex a couple times, and then he just, like, ditched town. He just completely straight-up ghosted her. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a massive dick. And, uh, you know, the guy from Funny Girl, he was a loser for half the movie. This guy was a loser for the whole movie. So, that's yeah. Kind of, yeah, that's kind of the difference here. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, I didn't like him. And, you know, the best part of the film was definitely her friend, the one that kind of introduces her to the religion, and she's just so fun and wacky. She's uh, another teacher at the school, and I just thought she was a blast. I really liked her. Yeah, I just, I really enjoyed her personality and then how she felt bad about things. She, she was by far my favorite part. She, and her facial expressions were just great. One time she had her glasses off and I was like, oh, she doesn't look the same. But then she uh, quickly put them on in the scene. Yeah, she definitely rocks the glasses. Uh, yeah. This film should have been nominated for costumes for those glasses alone. <laughs> yeah, those glasses were pretty neat. They look like Velma glasses. Yeah, they were very in your face. All I really have to say about the movie, I don't got much. This movie was perfectly mediocre. This is no Winter's Bone from 2010 or no Wilson from 1945. 
This one's just whatever. It was definitely my least favorite of the year. It's the one that I loved the least, but uh, it's fine. Uh, you know, I'm, I'll never rewatch it. Uh, another thing to note here is every other movie we have done for this podcast, I have gotten from the library or a streaming service, but this movie is so irrelevant and so unknown, I had to buy it. And so I spent money on this sack of crap. Which is pretty crazy, because I feel like our library here has almost any movie we would want to watch. So I don't know, I feel like that just says something that no streaming site... Not even the library would would want it. Like, I don't know, maybe just not that many copies, like, sold of it. But yeah, I just don't think it was that popular, yeah. No, it was it was a real, it was a real stink, stinker. But like you said, it was not, like, Wilson or Winter's Bone at all. It was just, it was just meant. I, I honestly feel like if it would have worked harder on the storyline, like, the actual plot of it, maybe we would have understood more. But basically, overall, she has a, an overbearing mother. And the whole time, the mother has kind of just been, like, over her the whole time. And then by the end, she she's like, no, I'm, like, I'm moving away from all this. Because she thinks if she moves away from it, like, nothing is going to follow her. She can start over new. And then the mom finally comes to terms with it. And I think the mom ends up going with her as well. Yeah. You can keep talking about the movie you want, babe. I got nothing else to say about Rachel, Rachel. <laughs> wow. That's very weird if you're speechless about a movie. Yeah, speechless. I was so impressed with it. The director is Paul Newman. So uh, he plays Doc Hudson for all of you Cars fans. Just kidding. None of you guys exist. But for those that have seen Cars, he plays Doc. So he plays a cool car, but he does not play a good director. But he was a great actor in the day. <laughs> An okay actor. <laughs> I think he was in Westerns. Maybe not. I have no idea. All right. Uh, nothing else to say? Are you over Rachel Rachel? Are you over over? Over it. I'm good. All right. So we can talk about the comparisons these films have, which is all having to do with acting. So they both had a lead actor Sorry, a lead actress nomination. One of them won. One of them didn't. And that would be for Barbara Streisand in Funny Girl. And that would be for Joanne Woodward in Rachel Rachel. So between those two actresses, Andrea, which one did you prefer? Hmm. I definitely preferred Barbara Streisand. Yeah, why did you pause? Was that a joke? No, no, sorry. I was honestly just trying to think for just a moment. <laughs> um, no, yeah, Barbara Streisand was by far the best. I already said that also. Barbara Streisand was my favorite overall actress, so yeah. there's not even a comparison at this point. No, yeah, Barbara was fantastic, and uh, Joanne was fine. <laughs> she didn't fine. suck, yeah. Like, I didn't hate myself when I watched it. She was no. good, but... She was happy to get the nom. She was lucky to get a nom for that. All right. So, whoa, whoa. That's rude, Andrea. <laughs> what? <clears throat> All right. So, for supporting actress, Funny Girl got a nomination for Kay Medford, if that's how you pronounce the name. 
And Rachel Rachel got a nominee for Estelle Parsons. So who is your favorite between those two? It was definitely the best friend in Rachel Rachel. Yeah, Estelle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no question. Yeah, 100%. They, they, they kind of reversed the two films. One had a great lead, one had a great supporting. Yes. All right, so... What we always do here, Andrea, is tell our storyboard for each film. Do you remember this? Yeah, I kind of forgot how to do Okay, yeah, I forgot we were going to do this. Now, give me like <laughs> two or three sentences here for your pitch. For those of you that don't know, what we did ever since the 1945s, when apparently one film was nominated for its storyboard, is we give our storyboards for each film because... That's not really a category anymore. That was a one-year or a couple-year thing back in the 40s, and they dropped it for good reason. But it's basically a two-to-three-sentence pitch. You're in an elevator with a producer, and you're like, hey, I got a movie called Funny Girl. Here's my pitch. And it's your big, quick, snap-of-the-finger explanation of the movie. So, Andrew, what's your explanation for Funny Girl? Okay, so for Funny Girl, I think I'd be like, Girl that uses her humor and then transitions to find her confidence. Boom. Nice. Yeah, that's it. Mine would be girl equals funny, guy equals loser, both equals in love. <laughs> Good one. Yeah. I killed it. All right. And then for Rachel, Rachel, uh, my pitch for this movie to be made is uh, don't do it. I got that, that, that's that my, was it? Yeah, um, that oh, God. That's going to be a hard one to, like, uh, do better than. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, let's see. For Rachel, Rachel, I think I would say girl that has two split personalities with trauma in her childhood then escapes from it all. <laughs> Very nice. Thanks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think that was a bit better than mine. Close, though. Wow, yeah. All right, so that's it for these two movies. We got one movie left, Andrew, to talk about, and that is the Best Picture winner, Oliver. Excited to talk about that one, but before we wrap it up, we are both on Letterboxd. You can follow us there. Andrea never reviews these movies. She wants to pretend she doesn't do this podcast, but I review them if you want to check them out there. And on Letterboxd, we give our rankings. So for Funny Girl, my scoring is going to be a four out of five. What's your score? Yeah. And I might start reviewing them, fun fact, but I do have a ton of reviews on my Letterboxd as well. I would give this a four out of five. Oh, look at that. I thought you were lower. Interesting. What, I mean, time does everything. You get to think about like different things in the film and I thought about it. <laughs> Very nice. What about Rachel Rachel? Did you think about that one? Oh, this one was like not great. I don't know. Like we said, it's down the it's down the middle with this one. Um, I don't know. I'm thinking I'm gonna probably end up giving it a two. Whoa! 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 <laughs> I'm gonna give Rachel Rachel a two point five. So I guess I ended up being higher than you. But yeah. Uh, it's fine. It's perfectly whatever. 2.5. I honestly was between a 2 and a 2.5. I was just trying to decide which way I actually wanted to go. That's fair. I yeah. gave Born on the 4th of July 
a 2.5, I believe. And it was not worse than that. So, wow. But uh, it wasn't much better. It was pretty much right on par. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So that is everything on our end. You can follow us on Letterboxd. You can listen to our past episodes and past seasons of the Oscar Rewind. And until next week, if I can convince Andrew to sit back down and discuss more 1969 movies, <laughs> we'll see you guys soon. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited to actually talk about Oliver. Oh, wow. Andrew's excited for once. That's can't wait. It was, it was pretty good for a musical. Yeah. Yeah. Wasn't too bad. Nope. We'll see you later, guys. <laughs>